he can kind of see things are happening and he tries to like cut it off, you know, so that he can bring in some encouragement or a listening ear or something that's different than what the dance we did before. And so that's how this can be so powerful is how can we get to know each other on a much deeper level? But a lot of it just has to ask good questions like, okay, Beth, the next time we go through that, what would have been a better way to have loved you? Hey friends, and welcome to this episode of the Artist Bowsing Podcast. Thank you for taking time to join us for the show. If you're new to the podcast, we want to make sure that you know the reason for the show is to encourage and provide hope for your marriage by consistently offering tools that when practiced, you can take your marriage from the mundane to a masterpiece level. Yeah, we hope you've had a great week. Ours was really great. We had our oldest daughter in town for the week and we had a really nice time with her. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to do a mini life plan with her and it was very rewarding for us and we believe it was for her as well. And it's a great way to have conversation with your kids that you're not asking intrusive questions. We did such a great job. Having adult kids is a challenge in itself, right? Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. So this week we're continuing our conversation with Beth and Jeff McCord. They are the founders of Your Enneagram Coach and authors of two great books, Becoming Us, Using the Enneagram to Create a Thriving Gospel Center Marriage, and More Than Your Number, a Christ-centered Enneagram approach to becoming aware of your internal world. If you've not listened to last week's episode, we hope that you'll go back and do that because we talked about some learnings around the history of the Enneagram, and we also unpacked what Jeff and Beth call the marriage dance. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Today we're we're going to be continuing the conversation. I have to say they go all marriage coach on you and I, James. It gets pretty vulnerable and they completely read our mail. Yeah. So you'll probably learn a lot about our marriage dynamic. They also unpack a powerful tool they call the EIP from their new book. Before we get to that conversation with Jeff and Beth, we want to make sure that you know about the Marriage Reboot Retreat. This is a private intensive experience for you and your spouse working exclusively with James and myself for two consecutive full days. Take a listen to what Scott and Donna had to say about their reboot experience. I would say we had a good marriage, but we had some areas that we needed to improve on, specifically communication, and we had some areas with our parenting skills. One of the takeaways that we had that was so good was it gave us the next step. It equipped us to move forward in our faith walk and in our marriage. It unstuck us to move to the next point. It really helped us in our communication skills. We didn't realize that we had faulty perceptions and faulty belief systems, so once we kind of gained awareness of that and we were given the tools, it's really just impacted our marriage in such a great way. Our communication has greatly improved, not only between Donna and I, but also with our family and our friends. We are so thankful for the tools that we gain to grow deeper in our communication and our intimacy is better. And we've created sustainable habits from the guidance and the reboot that has affected our marriage. I would highly recommend the marriage reboot because it's given us hope, it's given us direction, and it's given us purpose. So if you're interested in finding out more about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, we would love to talk to you about it. You can schedule a call with us using the link in the show notes or online at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. You can also direct message us on Instagram with the word call, C-A-L-L, and we'll send you a link to schedule that video call. Okay, let's continue our conversation with Jeff and Beth McCord. Remind me again of your Enneagram types. I'm a two. And I'm an eight. Two and an eight. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, I, I've noticed this as a little bit of a trend. I'm being sarcastic here, but a lot of eights will marry twos, I think, because they think that, that they can become better eights because that's the path where eights go to be more mature. Yeah. Now, the bummer thing, Lisa, is that like James represents where you might go in unhealth. So I'm not sure how that works out. It looks, it's pretty shocking. It's pretty ugly. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It, what does that, what does it look like for you whenever you heard about yeah, the dance for the dance. first time? Like what, what would be an ordinary, just kind of the argument you always get into and you've all been doing it since the beginning? Well, I, I don't know. You probably have to put some context. What, I can prompt you on something. Okay. Prompt yeah. Us. Prompt yeah. us. This would be great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you're serving the kids at home. You're doing a great job. You're hoping that he sees the love and the attention you're giving to the family. As an eight, he's just plowing away. You know, he's just going for life. You know, he's he doesn't have the time to be looking at all the, the things that are happening and, and appreciating the whole world. And not because he doesn't, but we got things to do. Come on. And so that can land on your heart as maybe rejection or being unappreciated, dismissed, unneeded or unwanted. And so we'll start there. So does that even sound familiar? It totally sounds familiar. And if we transplant out of parenting into work, because we work together, this happens because Mm -hmm. he is getting things done. He can see and synthesize things, but but I'm seeing the people and I'm trying to care for the people within the ministry. So if he's responding and acting a certain way, then the, and then he doesn't necessarily appreciate my mm-hmm. input, which he does. He just doesn't know how to express that or he's right. trying to move through. So that is our biggest tension. It is. Of, of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so funny, Beth. Like you just, I didn't know. You just pressed right into it. Yeah. <laughs> we will say often our biggest marriage, like we've, we feel like we've had great married life of these 30 years, but our two biggest tensions is that we have more I wouldn't say we don't fight, fight, like, but it's yeah. like we'll separate and have to go. We got to think about this is ministry yeah. and parenting. Yeah. And it's in and well, around what you just said. The funny thing is, is that the nines have the superpower of like laying it out there, you know, in all its glory. And everyone's like, yeah, that is. That's so true. <laughs> It's just like this kind of like their marriage they've been having it since they're yeah. years. <laughs> now I would but, like to hear like uh-huh. the reverse then for him. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So the reverse would be something like we'll use work as an example. And I don't even know if this is like a true thing that's happened for you guys. So you'll have to like yeah. reveal if it's true or not. But for an eight, a really big thing is to not be overly vulnerable. That doesn't mean not transparent, but vulnerable can be a really scary thing because what is someone going to do with this information? How are they going to maybe harm me, manipulate me, control me, challenge me in the wrong way and betray me? So those are some really big hot buttons for the eight. Twos are really great connectors. They're highly relational with people and they can talk about all the things and that can be great, but it also can be too revealing too vulnerable. And so there might be times where the two over exposes or overshares that if eight might feel, wait a second, hold on. I don't know what that person, I don't know if I fully trust that person that you're talking with. And you just shared some information that I don't feel comfortable with. And that can put up the guards for the eight and can kind of come in, maybe not hot and heavy, but just definitely direct, like, please don't do that again. Well, that can land on the, the two as feeling rejected in the way that the two is trying to be helpful and serving and caring and as if you're not appreciating. And so that could be a potential dynamic. 
Don't know if that's been true for you, but that does true? that sound? I think there's some truth there. I think Lisa definitely tends to want to, especially in relational dynamics, if there's tension in the office place or whatever, she wants to go have the conversation, especially if it's like in a, something that involves both our worlds and she'll like, hey, let's go have this conversation. Let's dive into it. And I'm like, I, I don't really care to. And she'll See, sometimes- you guys need a video podcast because Lisa's <laughs> over there like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just not I think I actually so pointed at reason. him. I think I pointed at him that's what yeah. i did yeah but she'll plow into it sometimes and you know it doesn't become tense with us but it's probably not the most comfortable thing for me like i i would rather kind of keep my cards you mm-hmm. know in yeah. place and, yes yeah and, and well and sense. has there been times james where you've been very blunt and straightforward and direct with people at the church and she's come around and been like let me like oh, fix this my life five, five my minutes life. ago maybe i don't know <laughs> my life my life <laughs> In some ways, that kind is needed. Sorry, eights. Yeah. We call I call them big diesel snowplows. So yeah. when they're healthy, they see the people in front of them and get behind. Say, hey, get behind me! I'm going to plow this path for all of us. It's amazing. But a lot of the times, they're not really that conscious of it. Mm-hmm. They just see we just have to plow the path, so I'm going for it. Yeah. They don't. They're not fully aware of the intensity they bring. They're not just like they're not a Ford pickup truck with a shovel on the front. These are the big diesel snowplows. They have to be aware of themselves. And when they're not, they're going to start nicking cars on the road and unfortunately sometimes plowing over cars. And so when that happens, yeah, people are going to have to come back around and clean up the mess. And at the same time, a two could overly step in in ways that is actually could be, what would be the right word? Demeaning is too strong of a word, but kind of cuts your legs out from underneath you like, or, you know, like, oh, well, I've got to help make him look better than yeah. what he is because he was too blunt, too strong. And so it, it can be a real situation where the eight really needs to kind of own their own mess and be able to see, oh yeah, you know what? Didn't mean to be strong and intimidating, but that's just who I am. And I need to go apologize and mend that relationship yeah. because it wasn't my intention. Whereas the two needs to go, I need to reveal this to my spouse in a way that is honoring and respectful, but also really just saying it like it is like, hey, I think you hurt Joe's feelings and it, it kind of came on, you know, a little too strong. Would you mind maybe repairing that or at least investigating and see if that's true? And that's the two coming alongside helping and supporting with their superpower, but not intruding or inserting themselves and in, in crossing boundaries. You've totally read our mail. Yeah. It's interesting. Lisa has Lisa has a cue for me that she'll grab my elbow when we're together, just just to say, "Hey, tone it down." It is interesting, you know. Although I am an eight, I feel like now I'm a little bit softer of an eight. So Absolutely. around 2012, I had a pretty large blow up in my leadership that was unknowingly all around, all around my eightness. I didn't know Enneagram at the time. It's funny you say it that way because one of the oh, what the nicknames for eights is your eightness. Yeah. Instead of your highness. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the funny thing was I was introduced to another tool back in 2013 uh, around emotional intelligence, EQI 2.0. And the skill I really lacked, believe it or not, is empathy. And so for about 
five years, I was intentional about building the skill of empathy in, in my leadership and family. And so then when we were introduced to the Enneagram and I came out as an eight, I felt like I had already done a lot of pre-work on yeah. that piece of, of me. So hopefully I don't blow myself up as much as I used to, you know. And what's amazing is eights literally do not understand why people think they're intimidating. They just think <laughs> they're like everybody else. I am. And we're all like, you're a big diesel snowplow. We're, I'm, yeah. I'm a little Fiat on the side of the road. How are we the same? You know, when an eight enters the room, like you, feel you, you feel it. it. Now they yeah. don't realize it. And so they have to What's learn too, is that twos feel the room. Yes, so she does. Lisa knows so like, she, when you're in the room. Yeah, yeah. So she's observing everyone else observing you and your intensity. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And in ministry life, this is just a really interesting dynamic for us. But I have like to what you said, Beth, I have backed off and just let like let him blow something mm-hmm. up. That hand gripping that I'll do on his elbow sometimes. One time he just pulled his arm away. He was like, yes. no, it nope. ain't. I'm going to do it. I'm plowing. Get out of my way, sister. <laughs> and I did. I just let him go. I'm like, you know what? And I walked away yeah. from the group yeah. and. He, he, you did, you were, he was 100% right about what he was talking about, but he was 100% wrong in how he executed. Yeah. And then the next day, this is a mature eight. He called and individually talked to those people and just said, Hey, how went about that was not the right way. So seriously, this is, this is a great example of how this is such an amazing tool. I'm just relating, connecting. When I see he's restraining, I have such admiration for him. When he's being empathetic with people, I'm like, look at him working so hard. You know, it has to be so different. And so it's just, it it brings out love in your heart towards your spouse to know that they're actually working on certain things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a question for you on this because this is a recent discovery for us. One of the places that, and maybe this plays into this dance thing that sometimes we find tension is when I try to help her. So anytime I offer help to her or I I offer assistance usually becomes a point of tension. The only time that I can actually help is when she asks for my help. And so I've I've realized that I don't know if I'm stepping on her identity or like her, like, what what is that? It's funny, as a pastor, like passages like Mark 10 that tell us like, for the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And oftentimes we preach that passage to say, you know, serve like Jesus. And twos are like, yep, got it, nailed it, did it. But the more provocative passage or the thought is, is the Last Supper and Peter saying, I don't, I don't want you to wash my feet. I only wash your feet. For someone to move towards a two who has tried to convince everybody that they don't have needs and that they want to take care of everybody else's needs, for someone to say, no, I want to take care of you, it feels vulnerable. It actually undermines their fear that they're rejected or wondering Love. if they're loved to actually feel loved. And their big fear of being needy, being seen as needy. Like they don't want people to think that they're needy. They're there to serve others. And so it could be opening a lot of that stuff. And so it's always good to just like be curious. So I loved it. Like, is that true? Is that, do you feel overly needy? Like someone is seeing your need? And plus the two has the pride, you know, and the pride is I know how to fix things. What are you saying? I don't know how to fix this. Do you not think I can do this for myself? You know, and you might be seeing that she clearly has a need and she probably does. And you are trying to lovingly come alongside and support her, but it could land on her as she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, I think that's how it usually know. lands. Probably. I think yeah. that's how it lands. And then the vulnerability part. I think there's there's and that piece of just vulnerability, but it usually is in and around that. So 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 intriguing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So thank you for helping us. This was great. 
It's a great coaching session. Thank you so much. We're gonna I we're gonna get has that fun party game side of it. Yeah. But then whenever you take it for what it really is saying, you're kind of like, oh, oh no, you're you're like in my soul. Yeah. 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 Right. And it's good yep. stuff. It's good. And we want to be that. We have a growth mindset. We want to keep that. And that requires that kind of vulnerability to kind of go there yeah. and, and dig around. Mm-hmm. So you have a new book, More Than Your Number, that just recently released. We'd love to know why you wrote this book and what you're hoping people will take from it. Well, each each of our books have been out of our personal story and particularly how the Enneagram has helped us in that. And so in 2015, I stepped down from a unhealthy situation. I started to just do some recovery work of, okay, how do I piece this back together and piece our life together? Well, around that time, I was introduced to Abba's Child by Brennan Manning, and he wrote a chapter in Abba's Child, a letter to his false self. I started to realize like, yeah, there there is a part of me that is like a false self. And matter of fact, I... I even have a part of me that's the inner critic and I call him buddy because it always starts with, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? It's how the six is evaluating things all around us. And so I just started to recognize that there are actually various parts of my heart that are at play that I can feel two things at one time. How is it that as a type six, I can feel courageous and want to move into a situation and scared to death all at the same time? Or I can be very provocative and challenge people. And then there's another part of me that is very scared of losing relationship. So I'm doing my own kind of recovery after this painful situation and starting to name these parts. Well, Beth's like, you got a lot going on inside you. (laughs) I'm doing great over here. But then she thought about it through the lens of her Enneagram type and realized, oh, wait a minute. There are a lot of parts of me. Yeah. Yeah. So as he was going through that, I, you know, as a good old nine, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because we have this internal fog as nines and it takes us forever to understand ourselves. But when I put it through the lens of the Enneagram, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, we do have parts. And those are our wings. And the two Enneagram numbers were connected to the lines, which we call Enneagram paths. But not only that, our main type has two parts to itself. That we have the wounded child and the beloved child. Yeah. Now, the wounded child is that vulnerable part of our heart that's been harmed and scared and trying its best to help us through life, you know, when we were younger. And it was ill-equipped and it tried its best, but it just didn't help us. And it keeps trying to help us, but still not working. And so what we need is to bring that beloved child, that that part of our heart that knows who we are in Christ and is able to guide and lead and mentor that wounded part of our heart. So we've got those two parts with our main type and they are motivated by those core motivations of your main type. And then your wings and the wings for those that are listening are like, what are wings? (laughs) Uh, Those are the two numbers next to your main type and they influence your main type. So they're going to chime in from their own core motivations and their own perspectives. So for me as a type nine, my wings are one and eight. So James, you know, you being an eight, you know, you probably understand this a lot is so my nine just wants people peace and harmony. But when I see people marginalized and not heard and overlooked, my nine and my eight are like, oh, I don't think so. Now I'm going to deal with the situation from a nine-like perspective because that's my main type. But my eight is really trying to get and force me to make something happen to protect that person. But same with my one. My one wing is like, that is not right. You know, the right thing to do is blankety blank. So they're chiming in to try to help and support me, but also my three and my six, which are connected to my type. They also have attributes 
hearts that want to chime in as well. And so these are your connecting hearts and they bring their own voice. And so when you feel ambivalent and pulled in different directions internally, yeah, you are because you have different parts of you that see the world from different perspectives and think that they're absolutely right. And I I think what differentiates what we call this the Enneagram internal profile and what differentiates it from typical Enneagram descriptions is that we describe these parts as just descriptions, but actually these are parts of us that need our leadership. So it's a way of thinking about our own internal team and developing relationships so that we can apply the truth to them. So let's say, so I'm a six and my two wings are seven and five. And, but the five part of my heart plays a role in my sense of calling as a man, as a husband, as a father. When that part of me, I call him Bob. I named him after a mentor friend of mine who introduced me sort of to the intellectual life of a pastor. But as a young young husband, as a young father, I went to books and I would read voraciously, trying to make sure that I knew what it meant to be a father, what it meant to be a husband, what it meant to be a pastor. Your six heart wanted to be faithful and beautiful and responsible, committed. And so this five part functioned out of anxiety. So I would just, I mean, just that one click purchase on Amazon for a book. I mean, that is just ridiculous. And at times my family knew that I was anxious by how many books I was getting from Amazon each day. But that part of me that I might experience shame and fear and anxiety regarding is also a part of my God giftedness to live out my calling. Because as I have transitioned through various seasons in my life as a man, as a father and as a husband, guess what? I mean, all of this reading actually is being done for wisdom and application in life to be who God's made me to be. So each of these parts of us need our leadership. Each of these parts of us can show up in both healthy and unhealthy ways, but they're all a part of us and that we can use in living out our sense of calling. Yeah. So depending on if your wounded child is basically driving the school bus of your life, you know, internally, then the rest of the parts are all going to be panicky because that is like a eight-year-old basically trying to drive a big school bus. But when the beloved child who is the mature, responsible, can actually drive a bus, gets in behind the wheel, everyone's going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride and actually be their best self. So we are in the book, we're helping to paint a picture for people to know where their heart condition is without shame and judgment and condemnation, but bring it to the Lord and allow the Lord to work with the beloved child to then guide and mentor this wounded part of our heart that is just wanting to be attuned to and understood to bring back into the fold of that belovedness. That's amazing. I love it. Obviously, your first book, Becoming Us, is really a book about Enneagram and marriage. This book is a little bit more introspective or about the individual. But I'm Mm -hmm. wondering, how does the EIP, this Enneagram internal profile play out in marriage. <laughs> Very much. Oh so. man. So let's go back through the scenario again. Let's say I'm coming into the room with passion for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and you you start to feel it. What part of you shows up first? Yeah. So of course my nine is like, uh-oh, there's conflict, there's tension, something not is not going very well right now. Well, usually my sixth part of my heart shows up. And I call her when she's not healthy. Okay. When she's healthy, she has a wonderful name. It's actually wonderful, Wendy. But <laughs> when she's not healthy, she's worrying Wendy. And so she she is trying to think of all the ways that this could play out in the worst case scenario. And she's trying to help my nine part to figure out how we can accommodate and people please to make this relationship right. Well, when that fails, my three part shows up and says, you failed. 
great, good job. Now we're going to be seen as a failure. We're not valuable. And so there's a lot of shame. You're a bad mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a failure of a wife. But then my type one will chime in. And this one is more the perfectionist. And they're, they're the one that's saying you're bad you're unredeemable, you're corruptible. And it really comes in very heavy handed with a lot of judgment. Well, once they're all chiming in, it's like chaos ensuing internally. And my eight part has had it with my internal world and my external world. And she just so wants all to of that over everyone. All of that's internal. The first thing that shows up towards me is Beth's eight part. And her name is Regina. Raging Regina. <laughs> so she's gone through worry. She's gone through failure. She's gone through internal contempt. And all of that bleeds over into her behavior as anger towards it's me. It's protectiveness. You know, it's like, okay, no more. So my eight part is trying to protect that wounded part of my heart from the internal dialogue, but also anything that could potentially happening outside. And it's a defensive mechanism that, you know, I can honor that it's trying to help, but it is not helping. And so that's the misaligned part. So what we want to do is go, okay, what ultimately is happening with all of these parts? What are they really needing? Well, they need attunement. They need someone to understand the fear of conflict and tension so that we can actually have that conversation instead of trying to sweep it under the rug and just be anxious and have turmoil happening internally. So for me, whenever I see Regina, her, the, this eight part show up, the seven part of my heart feels like we're now into pain and I don't want to, this is going to ruin the night. Then maybe the five part of me starts to show up because I want to counsel past her. I want to teach her through this situation. With all right? the wisdom you've obtained. Right. <laughs> the way you said that, I'm not sure what it was you were intending, but I felt another message. <laughs> That's okay. I'll let it, I'll let it sit there. <laughs> <laughs> But then there's another part of me that you experience this where I will just shut down, where the nine part of me comes online and it just stops. And so then I end up in a place where I feel very alone. But remember, although Beth showed up pretty aggressive towards me, she's also feeling loneliness because she's thinking she's a failure. But if we understand that we have relationships to these parts... Like, I mean, we hear from couples, like there's almost like vacation dad and work dad. Like even our kids have nicknames for these parts of us that show up. So when Beth would have us clean the house on Saturdays, you know, it's cleaning day mom is showing up and going to make sure everybody helps contribute to keep the house clean. We have relationships with them, but we have our own reactivity to what's showing up. But these are actually opportunities and the Enneagram helps to map what's actually happening and unique ways in order to be reminded of the gospel again. And the biggest thing is to be curious. You know, we don't have to get it all right. We're not going to get it all right, but we can sure be curious. Like, hey, I see this is happening. Is, Is there something that I could know or do come alongside you? You know, so being curious versus pointing the finger and blaming, that's never going to really work. And so these are just really good ways to ask good questions, to be curious, to learn about your spouse, to to walk the path together with kindness. I'm just curious, James, what parts of you show up at work and what parts of you of being an eight show up at home? No, I have a great example of this. And then while you're getting some, maybe some different thoughts around it, but one of his assistants years ago came to me and said, how is James with the kids at home? Because I know exactly where they're going with that. yeah, Yeah. Because they were seeing something Whatever that, whatever he's about to say is at work and home life, but they experienced what they experienced with him at work. They were concerned about our children (laughs) at home. Yeah. And you're probably like, he's great. 
He's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. probably at home, I'm a little bit more my wing seven because I'm pretty high seven. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, adventurous, let's go do something spontaneous. Let's do some fun. Or I'll be more like the nine side of me kind of reclusive. So on my wings is where I'm probably more at home. The yep. eight is yep. definitely out. Now, it's interesting, like probably my natural bent towards Lisa is to lean into the two side, mm-hmm. that side. So I'm probably over help going back to that with mm-hmm. Lisa just in that sense. So you this know, eight saying. really hasn't shown up much in our relation. I mean, it does, obviously, but if he wants right. to debate with me, I'm like, I'm not debating with you. You're going to win. And so this conversation's over, you know, because yeah. I'm just yeah. not going to win yeah. with it. So, so. Uh, so that could be the five part of your heart, the yeah. five part of your profile. Yeah. But yeah. Lisa, I mean, your relationship with that part is that I, I can't, I'm not going to even go into this experience with you <laughs> now and right. And, but you'll see it, maybe it shines particularly in real life. And so it, these parts of, we have relationships with all the connecting types of our Enneagram profile. That's yeah. the big thing here is we have responses and relationships that we appreciate. Sometimes we don't, but we see one another's both weaknesses as well as it's, it's taken years. So we started using EIP when I first had that big aha moment back in 2016, but it's, you know, only been the last year or two where Jeff is like, Oh, wait a second. I, I'm, I bet, you know, your type one is really bombarding you with a lot of criticism. Is that right? So before Regina even comes online and attacks him, you know, and it might take me a day or two to figure that out and tell him, but that's important, you know, for us to be able to communicate with each other. Yeah. You know what, if you would have done this, it might've, I might've listened of course you got to say Mike, cause you know, I never know, <laughs> but that's, I think what's been really helpful is that you've tried to step in and prevent some of my parts bombarding me and mm-hmm. harming me. I love it. You can definitely see how this would be helpful in marriage. We talk about Enneagram enough, but there could be people listening who are like, I do not know my number. Where can I find that out? What would you recommend? Yeah. So, you know, our website, yourenneagramcoach.com. You go in the upper right-hand corner, there's a yellow button that says, take the free test and you can start there. You know, depending on how well you know yourself is going to be kind of determining how well that test comes out because it's asking you to really reveal yourself. And so look at all the types and basically focus on the core motivations. Again, why you do what you do. So look at all the types, look at the core motivations. And if you need more help, we have coaches at myenneagramcoach.com and you can find a great certified coach that will take you through a typing session and walk you along your own path and journey of growing and learning. Awesome. And at that same website, you have a course on this new, for this new book, right? That's right. So we, we help at the back of the book is a, a great whole section mapping out each Enneagram profile and giving you prompts for understanding how the various connecting types show up in each main type's life. If you want to take the next step where we actually coach you through that process, you can go to your Enneagram profile. It's a little bit different of an address, your Enneagram profile.com. There are a number of different bonuses and downloads, but also there you can purchase a course specific to each Enneagram type and we'll coach you through five sessions on how the profile shows up for you. Well, this was not what we expected, but this was Great. so much fun. <laughs> so much more. So much fun. I feel like I've been counseled and I feel <laughs> right. like I know Anytime myself better. Anytime we can like just pry you open without asking, <laughs> you just let us know. <laughs> you relate to an eight. You are so good with your vulnerability, James. I good know, job. I know. Good job. Usually I, I use a feel wheel to get my feelings, so I didn't need, yeah. need that tonight. You did so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just kind of go in and I just... 
you know, open oh, people that's up. So fun. Yeah, we well, really appreciate you guys. Thank you for having us on. It's great being with you again and blessings to all the incredible work that you guys are doing on the behalf of others. Well, now wasn't that fun and enlightening for us? Okay. We hope it was helpful for you and your spouse. And you can see how the Enneagram can be such a powerful tool for understanding and communication in your marriage. And I think we helped ourselves today by this I think episode. So. It was yeah. helpful. Yeah, the Enneagram's probably been the most powerful tool in our marriage to help us understand one another better. Thanks again, Jeff and Beth, for investing in the Are the Spousing community. And thank you for listening today. If you have questions or comments about what you heard today, we would love to connect. You can email us at hello at arethespousing.com. You can also message us on Instagram at arethespousing. So next week, we're going to be talking about the power of gratitude in your marriage. We hope you will join us for that. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next time. Until then, bye-bye.